my spidey senses tingling. Welcome to the show. As sure as his voice looms like Kilimanjaro, like Olympus over the Serengeti, that is your host, Slim, of the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 78. Papercake.com. Hurry, boys, it's waiting there for you. Bless the rains, Dale. Bless the rains. Uh, setting Tumblr communities aflame right now. We talk about industry news. The books we're reading, and uh, we do a little book club. You know, we all read the same book and talk about it. Wildcats. We will be clapping about Jim Lee's Wildcats later in the show. Um... Our roundtable of hosts will introduce them to my immediate left. He is sporting an amazing part in his hair this evening. And he just got some stylish new glasses. VP of Design, Dale underscore A, welcome. Uh, Slim, it's great to be back. Paper keg 78. It's like we never left and we've been here for three weeks. Right. And these glasses, phenom, phenom. And I have to say, you're well quaffed as well. Thank you. Um, speaking of quaffs, wearing his unpublished writer uniform, which is a white gap tee, possible Fruit of the Loom under, undershirt. Extra medium. Extra uh, Jonesy loves beer. He's been working on a creator of a comic that will knock your socks off. Uh, check it out. Twenty thirty three. Welcome to the show. Jonesy loves beer. Uh, thank you always for having me. And because of the stringent copyright laws, uh, it will only be published in my heart. Thank you. Uh, we need to spice it up a little bit here. We have three white hosts. You know, we need to get diversified up in this podcast. Batman genealogist, actor, published writer, um, just adorable. Mark Farrington, welcome to the show. It is good to be back. I've missed y'all. What's happening? Just doing a hit podcast. Just about no big it. deal. Yeah. NBD, Mark. I know, right? Made all the more cool if I just let that beat ride for a minute. Please, please no gang signs, Mark. No gang signs. We, we don't do deuces on this show? <laughs> no? Okay. Mark, what does that mean? What does deuces mean on the streets? I think you might call it peace in your neck of the woods. Mm. We call it deuces. See me after the show. I'm scared. Uh, what a show we have planned. Image Comics. You heard of that company? Anybody? Nope. Who are they? You know, they were an upstart company back in the day. With uh, Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane, Rob Liefeld. 
Started by some 20-somethings in the early 90s, a couple of 21, 22-year-olds. Something like that. And they were millionaires. Uh, I've heard a thing. So we're going to talk about Wildcats. Jim Lee, Brandon Choi, childhood friends. Putting together just an amazing-looking book. You probably haven't read it in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Don't start now. Uh, we like to get into the Nias in the beginning of the show. You know, the, the news that is hot off the wire, the internet wire, and there's only one man that can deliver it, Dale underscore A, thank you. Uh, no, thank you, Slim, for that introduction. Uh, the news, uh, I bring it to you every week. This week is no exception. Oh, my God. Creator-owned heroes. You've probably heard of it. You've probably had uh, mailings in your mailbox. You've probably had pipe bombs under your car <laughs> uh, labeled creator-owned heroes. Uh, Steve Niles, Jimmy Palm, Jimmy Palmiotti, as I call him. Jay Palm. <clears throat> um, it's getting canceled, guys. Oh, no. Issue 8 will be the last issue of Creator-Owned Heroes. was a book that came out monthly, and it had uh, some original stories in it, a couple interviews, a couple articles to that uh, nature. It was it was like a publication. It wasn't just a comic. It was more. It was like a magazine. Mark, have you ever read Creator-Owned Heroes, and why do you love it so much? It's been a long time since I read Creator-Owned Heroes, but one of the reasons I like them is because they will do things that I can't get in a JLA book. Mark, are you lying to me right now? What? 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 You read Creator Owned Heroes? I'm astonished. Yeah, my boy had it in his uh, bathroom reading, so <laughs> I was dropping the deuce at his house one day. So eh, I may as well give this a shot. Dale, I always imagine your relationship with Steve Niles being like you on the top floor of your house, and Steve was just like in a gray trench coat with his with the sleeves rolled up to his elbows, blasting in your eyes on a boombox, <laughs> just right. waiting for you to come out of the house. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much what it is. And until he writes another mystery society, and I have it in my hands, the light, the heat. Sorry, he's going to be out there with his boombox and his uh, uh, proclamations of creator-owned heroes. Um, the thi- now <clears throat> here here it is. I mean, you can't you can't get any more. I don't know. Uh, there's no greater an example of a book that needed support. And it wasn't supported enough to keep going. Phil Noto. He did some work. Darwin Cook, Jay Palm, Steve mm-hmm. Niles. You would think that they have a dedicated group of fans that would buy that book monthly to keep it going. Yeah, and that's I think that's so ironic. Um, there was an interview with, uh, who was it, Jay Palm or Justin? I think it's a Jay Palm. <clears throat> and... Um, you know, he attributed some of the things he heard may have gone wrong with it, but I mean, it's maybe it's just wasn't m- right. I probably know? would not have called it creator-owned heroes off the bat. I think that's a little forward. I think it's. A, I think that was a poor. Yeah, a forward. A little too a great, on the nose, maybe. Yeah, I would have called it something catchy. A little too. Um, like, if you're not buying creator-owned heroes, you're the worst. <laughs> like, if they called it, like, Steve Niles Presents or something. Wasn't that the subtitle? 
I think that was the Thanks byline. for not supporting yeah. this material, right. scumbags. If, if you don't com. buy this, you shouldn't be reading anything. You loads. Right. It's like you have to support it because it's creator-owned. That was my impression. It, it kind of got stuffed down my throat. Yeah, and that that's exactly what I think, too. I think, uh, and I think it was a bit of a turnoff maybe for people because, I don't know, maybe just people don't want to read articles or interviews in their comics. I don't. You know, like, save that for Instapaper. <laughs> save it for Instapaper so I can never read it. Right. But at least Instapaper gets filled and I can justify my uh, $3 every quarter <laughs> to my boy. So the, I think that had the last issue, Mark Farrington had like 7,000 uh, orders. And I'm wondering if just that there's just a overlap of all their fans and that just still equaled 7,500 people. Like, they have, like, I don't know, Niles has, like, 20,000 Twitter followers. Palmiani has a few. Maybe the the exact amount that follow the same creators is, like, 8,000 people. What does it take to be a hit, though, to keep that book going? I mean, what's the regular circulation on the big two book? 20,000 is a hit for them a month? Uh, I think 40,000 is good. 40,000? So if you're an independent... Eight thousand isn't enough to keep the doors open. I think. I think he said that if like two thousand more people bought it, they would still be going. Here's the thing about a creator-owned book, though. It's kind of like the same argument we have with all of the mainstream books. When they're advertising and marketing, they're marketing to their current fan base. So you can't keep telling people, "Hey, go try my new stuff. Go try my new stuff." And we need to go get more fans. It's how do you draw in people outside of our little club and fraternity of comic readers? who never recognized, seen, or heard of these characters. I would say positive interaction with the fan base to get somebody, like Steve Niles, maybe if he was you know a little more interactive, and forgive me, Steve, I don't know your internet persona that well, but I get most new recommendations from this group here being like sending me a text message like, hey, you need to read this. It's easier for us to get us into it or for us to get other people because we're fans talking to people who we know we can convert. How do I get that average Joe on the street walking by and say, hey, I know a cool comic. Why don't you check this out? Oh, well, I mean, that's that's so broad strokes. You could, you know, that's hard to debate, especially when 60 percent or more of adults think comics are just for kids. I mean. I don't know that you can really make an argument for that. And I'm just not sure that naming your book Creator-Owned Heroes and like being the way you're selling it to, to people is just the maybe the tactic that you should be taking to try to sell it. Like, you know, like the extremism angle, like support this book or burn. And it's just a big turnoff. Like, it's reverse hype, and it's like, you're not going to tell me what to do, Steve. Mm-hmm. Remember, somebody who went to college and graduated with marketing thought of that marketing scheme. Let's call it creator-owned heroes and tell them they suck if they don't read it. Right. You know who else did that? Hitler. Oh, boy. Yeah, That's no, true. Here we go. Alleged. Alleged Hitlering. John Hamm as Steve Miles as Don Draper. <laughs> <laughs> somebody take note of this moment. At Slim brought up Hitler, and he will get no hate mail for this by next week's episode. Correct. And there's nothing wrong with that. Remember, the only time anyone has ever emailed hate mail against me, they converted themselves mid-email into <laughs> yeah. agreeing with me. They're like, you know what? Instead of deleting this draft and not sending it all, 
I'm going to continue writing the email and just saying how a Slim maybe changed my own mind. I want the intern investigating the IP address to confirm that email did not come from you. I'll be sure to send you those records. Dale, what else is happening in the world of Nia's Amazon Prime. Love it. Fellows. Did you hear about this? The uh, the latest in the Amazon Prime offerings. Uh, unlimited comics for kids. What? How about Amazing. That? I love it. Uh, Tell me more about it. That will be, if you're an Amazon Prime member, it's a, a, they announced a new free time unlimited service, and that will uh, grant kids uh, books, movies, games, and comics from a restricted library. So kind of like their video offering or Netflix video offering where it's restricted down to, you know, what probably whatever contracts they can sign. I'm a big copyright lawyer guy, so I know all yeah, about you, that. You really are. Uh, last week's episode obviously <laughs> uh, re- reflects that. But um, oh, I'm sorry. The service is going to cost three dollars a month for oh. existing Prime members, God. or uh, five dollars or five dollars a month for non-Prime members. But uh, and unlimited comics. You going to do kids. it, Dale? You going to do it for your boy? Um, well, here's well, here's the thing. Uh, it it's not confirmed whether it's just going to be for Kindle Fire only or it can be for the Kindle Fire app. Mm. You know what's Thoughts. weird? A lot of the comics that they sell, the Kindle store, a lot of them aren't available for iOS. They're only available for the Kindle Fire device and Android. Really? Yeah. See, it's those junky-ass loopholes again, man. It's all about loopholes in this industry. Because I tried to send a few samples to my device, and they... There's like a drop down of what devices are supported of yours, and my iPad and iPhone were not available. They're grayed out. There you go. There you go. Well, then forget it. You know what I love about this program? This goes directly into what I was just saying a minute ago. This is how you get new people into comics and how you build new fans out of the next generation. This sure. is awesome. It, your I mean, wife has a Kindle Fire, right? Slim, what's their advertising like? Do you open a Kindle Fire and there's a banner at the bottom that says now offering uh, free comic books? That device was not a part of their ad uh, supported ones, but the the HD that we have in our office definitely has ugly ads on the lock screen. And it's just Ugh. really gross looking. I, I, I kind of didn't mind it on the Kindle, whatever the regular Kindle is, the e-ink. Because the mm-hmm. ads were, you know, all black and white, so they were kind of, you know, moderately attractive because they were just like book covers, and they didn't they didn't look that bad. But now that they're selling products, and it's just gross looking. I I can say that this is a and I, and I know this is a goal of theirs, but offerings like this could definitely push their hardware into the hands of families. Mm. Uh, my old iPad One, my wife uses, but but my son Grayson. He knows how to unlock the iPad and get into the PBS app and the Disney Junior app. He knows what he's doing as far as that goes. So, uh, and he's two. So, uh, something like this could enable a family to buy like a hundred ninety nine dollar Kindle Fire or Kindle Fire HD for uh, free kids comics and kids movies and stuff. Uh, just for a hundred ninety nine dollars, it's. Almost like you could trust your kid more to have it. Question. If that makes kind of sense. Would you use a Netflix of comics service, and how much would you be willing to pay for it? Am I getting first-run books, or am I getting 
uh, you know, comics from a year ago? Uh, first, f- uh, let's say, well, I don't know. I guess maybe, a, let's say first run. So each Wednesday, every new book is on this app. Yes. Mm, geez. I will, oh man, as much as I, my price. $30 a month? Well, I'd say, I would have said 30 I'd say 24 $24, but maybe I, 30 I was thinking between 15 to 20 assuming I get new books on Wednesday and I get a library. I don't think 20 is enough to make it worth it, if you think about it. I mean, the average Marvel book is 4 bucks, and you buy, you know, five come out a week. They would... They would lose so much money. I mean, that it'll never happen. Would it be I'd, great? Yeah, I'd say maybe uh, like kind of like they do now with their price drops. Maybe comics six months old and older, right? And and they also you have a vast library behind you. Maybe right. that's seventeen dollars a month, something like that. I would pay like if there was if DC and Marvel offered a Netflix like service where back issues could be read. For a low monthly price, I would absolutely sign up for that. What if there was a price point where we paid, and I'm just throwing out numbers, $10 a month for quote-unquote new books that are six months old and younger, and then if you paid another price point of 20 or 30 you got access to back libraries? No, I, in my mind, I would think the back library should be cheaper and the first yeah. run book should be more expensive. That's what I would think too, especially like, just thinking like retailer pushback and stuff like that. Yeah, they that's would true. in their pants. That's what the retailers would do. They would. Way. Yeah, I would. I, c- would. I can't imagine if there was like a, if there was first run. I think it'd probably be like sixty bucks a month, minimum. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not crazy numbers though, Slim. Especially what the average active reader spends. Yeah, honestly, I'm yeah. Sixty bucks a month is probably yeah. How much do you spend on a month on comics? Break it down for us right now. Uh, th- this is probably more for the flap, <laughs> honestly. If you want me to get, w- get worked up, uh, no, I probably spend eighty dollars a month on comics. Maybe, maybe more. I calculated it out to be for me no trade paperbacks or anything. I drop a buck twenty and some change. A three ninety nine book cost me four twenty three. Just today, I, I downloaded some books off Comicsology, so I had stuff to talk about tonight. And or eight, I mean, just that was a twenty dollar drop. Dale, did you did you add in hardcovers in that price? I don't think you no, did, I, my friend. He didn't because look, his wife might listen. Is one she day. in the room? I I don't look now. I'm doing the math in my head, and three hundred dollars. It's probably worse. No, it's not that much. Two fifty. Could you afford a mortgage in Florida for the I would amount probably bet a hundred dollars a month in comics, hundred and twenty. Ta- he I could have a timeshare right now. I don't want to say it Hawaii. out loud. I know, but I don't want to talk about it out loud because it's going to make me want to stop buying comics, and I don't want to do that. We're I'm, we're running way over right now. We're running out of time. We are. We need to move on. Uh, so this is a segment where we talk about the comics we read this week, new or new or old. We read a lot. Uh, you know, the person who has the most time is Jonesy Loves Beer. He's not working on that comic. What did you read this week? <laughs> the Legend of Luther Strode. Drink. I knew Jonesy was going to pick this. <laughs> That's because I told you before we started recording. I wasn't in the room for that. So, The Legend is back. Do you guys all read this? Am I the only one? So I did, did not. Read this? I did not read this. Excellent. So, I'm going to spoil it for everybody. <laughs> so, Luther Strode... 
has become a vigilante that has no qualms about taking a life. You remember from the first run uh, that Luther did his best not to kill. He used his powers you know, uh, to stop crime, but he never crossed the line. Well, now Luther, having his life pretty much deconstructed in front of his eyes uh, during the first series, is just now out for blood. He's, he's now jacked up and stronger than, he, uh, than before in the first run. And he just pulverizes small-time crooks. Like, mm. uh, you know, Tradmore's awesome art. You know, he rips out hearts oh, out of chests and puts his fist through face bones. Good heavens. And uh, he bones. just, you know, cuts a swath through the lower echelon of, uh, you know, a crime syndicate. Mm. Uh, the new young crime lord who took over his father kind of sets its sets his sights on exposing Luther Stroh, finding out if the legend is real and then finding a way to stop him. Um they set up this fake prostitution ring. Luther shows up and uh basically slaughters everybody. <laughs> like with <laughs> just like literally is like uh the Tasmanian devil. But why wouldn't anyone do a fake lives. prostitution ring? That seems heartbreaking to me. They wanted to get him on camera so that they could prove to the rest of the crime family that he was real so they could get like an army to uh to like take him out. Mm. Because, you know, conventional weapons don't work on him, you know, et cetera. Mark, uh so, when was the last time you were with a prostitute? I don't want to get into it because my significant other might be listening. Four o'clock. She'll <laughs> by the first. So a uh, big uh, shock ending. Someone from Luther's past shows up with two gentlemen that are jacked up like Luther. And she's like, I'll take him out. Spoilers. Did you say she? Uh, spoilers. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was, a big, I was a big fan of the first volume. Yeah, and, and the second volume is not skipping a beat. It's going to be uh, good, I think. If we keep bringing it up on the show, we'll never get to do it for a book club. So, <laughs> what's, uh, Fact, uh, 60% of Paper Cake episodes mention Luther Strode <laughs> in some right. form or, or planetary. Another. That's exactly right. 90% uh, in, if you include Invincible. I, I could have reviewed Invincible 98, but I, I figured I'd have, get too much S for it. B. <laughs> I was perusing the app today, and I was literally picking books as a new release list. Up, oh, Jen's going to talk about that. Jen's going to talk about that. <laughs> well, let's remember that we will be recording another episode before another Comics Wednesday. Oh so God, count on it. <laughs> uh, Dale <laughs> underscore A, you are really living up to VP of Design with these fashion moves you're making, and I am just in awe of them, and I love them. What did you read this week? Oh, let me tell you what I read. Get ready to take whatever you thought was a good-looking book and rip it up like Rod Belding would have you do. I loved Rod. Okay? Rod Belding. Nice. Uh, Hellboy in Hell, number one. Mm. Mike Mignola writes and draws this book. And just when... (laughs) Just when... I bless the reins down in Africa... Just when you uh, you can't stop adoring all the art 
all the art and creative teams on the Hellboy books, Mignola comes in and just like just shows you how it's done. I mean, it is just as and if you love the other stuff, Mignola comes back or Mignola, Mignola, Min, Mignola. It's it's just the most beautiful book, truly. And the way and uh, you don't need to know any past Hellboy stories if you don't want oh, to. There's yeah. a there's a really comedic and funny. Uh, recap. It's told by uh, one of the shamans in the book. I forget what his name is. Mama Rag or, or something. And he says, uh, Hellboy finds out he's a distant relative of uh, like King Edward or, or somebody. And he is the rightful heir to the uh, the prop all the properties in Britain. Kills a dragon. Dragon kills him. Dragon reaches through and rips out Hellboy's heart. Drags it down to H-E hell with him. <laughs> so the book opens. He wakes up in hell. And it's just... It, Hellboy's sense of humor is there. He's just like, ah, oh, crap. What now? And, th- I mean, dialogue is so at a minimum, but so poignant. And there's a beautiful, like, a ties in, especially around this time of year with Christmas. Uh, he comes across like this little... It's and this is all in hell, mind you. We're on the cusp of being in the hell, like whatever ring that is, right outside, like uh, hell. Um, it's like a little marionette uh, stage play of um, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, and Jacob Marley's there with Scrooge, and they're like little beautiful marionettes, and it's just like so related to what Hellboy's like. It's just you know it's. I don't know. It's deep, but it's makes all it all makes sense. Like Jacob Marley's telling Scrooge, you know, this is the, ch- the these are the links of chain that I've built for myself in life, and it's like all parallel to Hellboy, and it's just it was just a great, beautiful book, and I really recommend you run out and you buy this from the local comic book shop in Wilmington Two, or digitally. Two ninety nine. I'm seeing right now on the Dark Horse app. See, wow. Two, Two ninety nine. Very. I'm very surprised by that. I'm surprised they didn't go three fifty. I. Uh, it also annoying. interesting is that I opened up their app and every brick on the f- main page button stopped working. But every but every button on the main page is Hellboy and Hell advertisement. Yeah. Did you see the? Uh, it's like all bricked out with one word in each little. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And and then I had to force close the app. I actually, like don't don't buy comics. <laughs> don't even load the store. The Dark Horse Store in iOS. Just go to the web, buy your books on the web, and sync it up because that app will crash your s hard. I uh, I still need to get that Baltimore one shot. The, the players. Uh, what was that? You know was what? that one shot called? I uh the yeah the players. I haven't read that yet, but I heard it's like one of the most amazing books ever. You know, um, IGN put out their list of best miniseries uh, for the year, and Baltimore was not a nominee. What? <laughs> IGN because they're too busy doing booth babes and bed <laughs> of the day or whatever. Um, that is horse s. Let's move this train along before Mark starts picking at his nails. I want to talk about <laughs> inarguably the best book Marvel is publishing right now. Can you guess what it is, Mark Farrington? Oh, no, I haven't a clue where you're going with this. Hawkeye. 
a face I could slap you in your little. Oh, <laughs> uh, wasn't a wasn't Mandy Boo in the letters page? Wasn't that a big thing? She was. She had her cosplaying dog featured in the letters page of this issue of Hawkeye. I want to tell you something about this book. You could give this book to a potential new Marvel reader because it's it's fo- it's following the Warren Ellis formula, you know, one issue story arcs or two issue story arcs, and that's it. No one of nine baloney cliffhanger endings, twenty two page story a month, and you get a great story for two ninety nine. I can totally vouch. Uh, you, Slim, actually gifted me this book. Uh, Comicsology. Number check it out. Number one, and I w- like reverse hype aside because that's mostly why the reason why I wasn't looking into this book. I was completely charmed by this book, and I bought. I have bought, since bought all five issues in print mm. at uh, the comic book shop because I love. I mean, the first issue alone was just so charming and great and feel good. Yeah, and and uh, you might be right. Thank you. you. Might be right. I appreciate you agreeing with me. The I don't know what it is, but Fraction, you know, I I busted the Defenders chops all the time. I think at one point I called the book uh, Flaming Garbage. But this book by Matt Fraction, it, it it's perfect. Everything he writes in this book is pitch perfect. The relationship between Clint and the female Hawkeye, uh, every interaction they have is perfect. I find myself grinning at several points of each month's issue. Um it's just, uh, just gorgeous. The design of, you know, the overall design of the book, the covers. Mm-hmm. Mark, are you reading Hawkeye? I want you to read Hawkeye right now during the show. I've been reading Hawkeye since day one. And you know who Hawkeye reminds me of in this book? Booster Clint Cold. Barton Hawkeye. He reminds me of Martin Riggs from <laughs> Lethal Weapon in the sense that he gets into these larger than life adventures that are all wrapped up nicely. And it's a great action story that never takes itself too seriously. Even throughout his own adventures, Clint is constantly narrating to himself in a tongue-in-cheek, I can't believe here we go again type of mentality. Mm-hmm. Or it's 2 o'clock, I'm hungover, hadn't even gotten some coffee yet, and now i got to go stop some terrorists. What do you think is the best book Marvel is publishing right now, Mark? This is up there. If I had to venture a guess, the one that's got me going back to it, all-new X-Men. But Hawkeye is in my top three. What did you read this week, Mark? I went to the other side of the pond. I went back to D.C. No. Decided, yeah. Drink, drink. <laughs> decided to give the old flagship book a shot. I went to Superman number 14. We learned that Superman and Supergirl were not the only Kryptonians to escape Krypton. There was a third one. This person's called Hell. He was Jor-El, Kal-El's father's prize student. He was in the space explorer. He was off planet when Krypton blew up. He made his way to Earth looking for his mentor's son, Superman, in hopes that they could turn Earth into a new Krypton. Superman says, no, I won't do it. Hell says, all right, if you're not with me, you're against me. Supergirl, come with me. And Superman is stuck watching them fly off, wondering how he's going to stop them. It's been 14 months, and I'm finally starting to enjoy a Superman book. Mm. I didn't think I would with Scott Lobdell on it. But this story is not that bad. I it's not. I saw someone comment online, and I amazingly agreed with it. But they said this is the best Superman book since All Star Superman. And when you think about it, like what has come out since All Star Superman that has been any good for Superman? A lot of people love Jeff Johns' run. 
Never read. And it. then there was the JMS grounded awful stuff that was trash. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> that's a bold statement, but yeah, I mean it's close. It's got to be top three since All Star Superman. Now I'm going to buy that. Mark, is it just that it's out of love for the flagship title that you kept reading it for this long? I mean, thankfully you've started enjoying it, but it's just something you can't just can't not read it because it's it's part of you. You're an enthusiologist after all. Ah, you're absolutely right. I tried my hardest to stick with it, just in the hopes that it would be good. We talked in past episodes that we don't understand how DC's dropping the ball on their flagship title, so I just kind of kept plucking her along, and it finally started to pay off. How about the art? I like that Kenny Rockefort on art. I like it a lot. How would you describe that art? Because I'm having a hard time articulating it. It's very distinctive. It feels like a more wild Jim Lee style and less lines. A little bit looser, even? Yeah. But I, I enjoy it. It's, but, I mean, compared to what Superman's been in the past 14 months, it's like Kingdom Come. <laughs> my word. What's killing me about the book is for the last 13 issues, I think they've shown either Clark Kent or Superman smile twice. That's not Superman. He's not a moody, grim and gritty kind of hero. He's He stops and says hi. He waves as he's flying around saving people. That's my Superman. So hoping that Scott can bring us back. Are you reading the, the most recent action comics? I've got 15 on my table, but I haven't picked it up yet. Lightning round. Two sentences or less. Uh, Jonesy loves quaff. Go right ahead. Daredevil, end of days, issue three. Ben Yurick continues his investigation of the death of Matt Murdock. Marvel was... IllegitimateChildren.com Spoiler. X Factor number 247. I read this book on a whim and I really enjoyed it. Why, I ask myself, have I been too intimidated? Is it the High issue number? Question mark. <laughs> the Human Bomb from DC Comics and J Palm. Jerry Ordway adequately draws this near DC superhero who is also a returning war veteran that is working at the World Trade Center bomb site. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 15. The Turtles are given a manifesto by their master. Destroy the Shredder. And not all of the Turtles are on board. Before they do that, they encounter Slash and not everyone walks away. Rebuttal. Is that a sentence length rebuttal? Wild cats. Are you in a book club? <laughs> we yeah. are. Uh, Jim Lee. Back in the 90s, he left my dear, sweet X-Men 
causing me to curse his name for many years to start his own studio, Homage Studios, under the Image banner. And so he made his own superhero book with his buddy Brandon Choi. Jonesy, what is Wild Cats? Imagine, if you will, that eons ago, the cherubim and the daemonites came to Earth. Alien races, both. The cherubim resembling humans. The daemonites resembling lizard-like monsters. And they used Earth as their battleground through the generations. Then imagine, if you will, that in the modern era, being 1992, the cherubim and the daemonite war makes itself known. Uh, A creature-slash-living-computer-slash-orb of power, uh, the Void, uh, reactivates a cherub alien, and together they assembled a team of wildcats or a covert action team that has no allegiance to a government agency. And these Wildcats rage, wage, wage and rage, really, <laughs> a war against the Daemonites and their leader, Hellspont, who is actively trying to use the Orb of Power to bring the Daemonite fleet from the homeworld to Earth to crush the Cherubim once for all. That is Wildcats. Jonesy, there's no stinking essing way that you got all that plot out of these four issues. All right, you were on Wikipedia. You were singing the theme song to yourself because there's I was no singing GD the theme goddamn song. Goddamn way. There's no way. I will say this: you were being it was meta very, right now. You're very being too hard meta. to extract much of anything out of these first four issues. Except the fact that Voodoo was a stripper. That's about oh, the only backstory we get about any character is Voodoo. Um, I will re- I will say I remember the Grifter being a lot more badass in my childhood than reading <laughs> yeah. him in these four issues. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's uh, there we drink. Side, take a drink. Drink two drinks. <laughs> Reading this book was a punishment. No, it was not a punishment. Now look. Thank you. Thank you. Now look. It was. I'm usually the one that hates anything for the 90s, but my level of nostalgia saved this book for me. I actually enjoyed it. Ghibli's art was phenomenal, and no one here at this table can say otherwise. Mm. His art was was spot on. He drew that camel toe flawlessly. (laughs) Mark, this is a family show. There's already been some drop curse bombs. That'll be edited out the in the post. Curse bombs. Leave in Mark's Cito reference so that everyone can know what kind of a person Cito. he is. <laughs> so it was enjoyable. It was. It's definitely all action, and uh, you know the story is kind of fly by the seat of your pants. Jim Lee is certainly showing off with character models in his first four issues, and uh, I just wish he would have lay down some more story instead of just focusing on pure action beats as we go through. I mean, some of those fight scenes were like grifters like shooting two guns at the same time and Zealot's got nine swords in one hand were, you know, over the top in typical 90s fare, you know? Dale, what, Dale, what do you think? I, I mean, I'm just so stinking annoyed that this book 
sold and launched and this this book helped launch an imprint and this is one of the better books that launched the imprint and it's just total malarkey going back i'm i'm i don't know what uh if any nostalgia i had for the book but i you know was kind of into comics back then i certainly didn't read anything other than probably marvel yeah it could be worse Um, i could have picked young blood I'll, t- I'll tell you it, what, we need to go through the Image launch catalog because we're 0 for I, 2 right now on Savage Dragon and Wildcats. Please don't make us. I, I mean, there's just no... It's just all action. There's, I mean, And you were right about Voodoo uh, being the only character with a little bit of backstory. There's absolutely no backstory. The only time I felt comfortable reading this book was the first page of issue 3 when it was like, this is Maul. They're fighting Dan Quayle. Claremontian. And <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that Dan Quayle is an like, alien that's, overlord. That's the only thing that made me feel like I knew, like, I felt like I was missing something. But, you know, and, like, p- there's two or three pages in issue two that were already used in issue one, and they were just, uh, like, passed off or something. And and Maul, the, the first, like I said, that catch-up page Make, like just made me feel like okay, finally I can I can make sense of some of this, and then it just goes back to being bananas. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. It, like you don't even realize that Spartans a robot until like two and a half issues in. I think it might have been it might have been three because he gets his body blown like blown away. He's missing an arm, and then they're like, oh, that's yeah. right, his cybernetic healing <laughs> yeah. system is taking place yeah. right now. He'll be fine. Seal and heal. Seal and heal. Oh my god, what Seal a turn! Heal, how, yeah. how, you want to play a drinking game? Drink every time you read the word psionic in this book. Psionic anything. It's like three times a page. Yeah. And and as much dialogue and words on each and every one of these pages, why didn't they refer to uh little man? What's little what's his name? Lord Emp. Lord Emp. What is that? Is did they just shorten emperor? I don't know. Lord- I, I, Dale, like, I honestly can't tell you. I thought I it was mean, a play on imp. Isn't imp like a term for little people? Imp? <laughs> it no. is, but that's yeah, that's garbage talk though. <laughs> I thought it was like literally like for some reason they just decided to shorten shorten the word emperor hmm. to imp. Maybe uh, they did. I just have no idea. Jacob Marlowe was his human name though, I th- I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. How, about, how many most... times did they blame the Libyans in the, this book? Yeah. There was at least two instances where they said, yeah. "Don't worry about it." We're blaming was the, the U.S. Libyans. at war with Libya in '92? <laughs> I, I I don't even. And Dan Quayle is an alien overlord. I had to remember who Dan Quayle was. People. Well, there was he was not the main vice president. I think it was a different guy, wasn't it? Dan Quayle was mentioned. Am I incorrect? I thought it was like Patterson. No, Dan Quayle was the main villain. In yeah. this book, he was. Dan Quayle was cool to hate in yeah. the early '90s, though. Remember when he misspelled potato? Yeah, don't that, even bring by all up. means we should you know, make him sacrifice a comic book him. villain. <laughs> yeah. The uh, I I will say that there were some pretty awesome splash pages by Jim Lee, and it made me even more annoyed at the time that like he could have been doing more X Men while this right. was happening. Like you left be- to X Men to do this tripe. Be- I mean, was X Men? These are essentially the X Men. Yeah, I mean. You know? uh, you could go either, either that or the Avengers. They're literally you could pick out members of the Avengers, the Justice League, and X Men for this team. Like the uh, Grifter is the Wolverine, yeah. 
character, you know, Rip Wild Claw, whatever the hell his name was, Warblade, was like, you know, Warblade. (laughs) 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 There probably was an image character named Wild Claw at that point. Yeah. I mean, he was like the guy Gardner. Um, Husk was Hulk. And even Youngblood had the Thing character. Uh, Prophet was Punisher. Uh, I mean, the sword guy was Shatterstar. Yeah, the uh, there's a guy with a bow and arrow that is you know analogous to Hawkeye. Shaft. The but I will Shaft. I will say I remember this era distinctly, and I remember loving these character designs. I remember seeing uh. you know in Wizard, and they just do like the ske- like Jim Lee's sketchbook for upcoming so and so, and I was like, oh my god, if that's an t- action figure, I would buy that instantly. I from ha- Toy Biz. I had all the figures, <laughs> and I'm kicking myself that I didn't keep them. I had Maul, Warblade. War Claw, uh, Spartan. War Claw. I had Spartan Zealot, Claw. and the only one I didn't have was Voodoo because I believe her accessories were nothing. It was just the Voodoo. And I remember figure, around right? that era, I think I I want to guess because around that time when the toys are made, toys are made, they used the actual artist designs for the sculptures. Do you remember Age? They of, were amazing. Do you remember Age of Apocalypse used Joe Mad's designs for those action figures? I love those. I'd have Nobody? to go back and look. I'd have to go back know. in the archives. How about all? How often they referred to Sister Zealot or Brother Grifter? That's a oh drink, drinking yeah. game. That could be a drinking game, brother. <laughs> and the coda, the coda. Uh, yeah. What like, was the coda? They don't even explain what that exactly. was. Exactly. It's just and, like a coda. I think is warrior women, women warriors. But then, how is Grifter part of it? If it's he was the I, I read on Wikipedia that he was the only male coda trained individual. Well, that would be cool if they would have mentioned that. That would be a cool tidbit to know about the character. I, and I got so furious at... I read these in this old single issues. And Jim Lee's apology letter and in the front Before of every each and issue. every issue. Because the book is three to four months late every time. And then they start making jokes like, next month or so. Like, yeah. that, it started becoming a joke. I was just like, get this garbage out of here. <laughs> I could have never followed it month to month if I was an original reader. I would burn them. What was the one book? Isn't there one? Maybe it's Wetworks, but he addresses it in issue four. There was a, there was one wizard or image book that was like a year and a half late in between issues. Wasn't that Youngblood? I don't remember. I Wasn't it some big deal that Liefeld couldn't get the scripts in on time, so Image was like, we got to drop your book? So he like had Alan Moore write it or some crazy s like that. Have to do some wicked wikiing on that. Yeah, we might have to. Some I mean, wicked wiki. I've, I've frankly, I've gotten enough young blood in all of issue three here of Wildcats because <laughs> God, young blood is garbage. I don't I'm need to read right young blood anymore. But but I mean, even we, like we look at it as garbage now. But Alan Moore wrote five issues of Wildcats. He wrote a ton of young blood. Mark Miller wrote young blood. What was going on in this era where, like, look at them now? Like, Alan they were Moore, all on PCP. Slim, what was Alan Moore was. doing writing these books? I just looking at at his career now. I'm like, what was going on? And Supreme, he wrote Supreme, which, I, in my view, I don't hold in a super high regard. I I just I mean I honestly wish I could go on about the plot points more, but I don't know what was happening. I don't know enough. I know there was the alien, uh, hell. Sp- Hellspot, Hellspot, Hellspot. You know, you know what's even worse is that Hellspot came back into that the recently awful Superman story. He was in like Not four or five issues of Superman what? as a villain. Yep, as far back as like issue seven or eight. Yeah, 
So why? There's Hellspawn. There's Dan Quayle. <laughs> there's uh, X Pike. X Factor. Pike, Pike. Deadpool Pike. slash you know Spider Man. This four issue run is not meant to be read. It's meant to have that theme song pumped in the background <laughs> on repeat, and you just nod your head and just look flipping through pages. Oh, oh. You know, I'm anxious to reread Spawn because my brother and I collected that the first couple issues of that, and I don't remember that being bad. Right. I, mean, I remember it being be. very cool. Right. But, of course, it was the 90s. I remember I had a Spawn action figure that was when they did Tales of Spawn from, like, uh, like you know, the Spawn from the 1600s. Oh, and yeah. And they had, like, battle armor and, like, an axe. And his cape was so long that you had to have a stand, <laughs> like, put a stand on the middle of the cape because it was, like, at least 14 inches from the figure in length. Those wow, toys were so PA. expensive, too, the Spawn action figures. Yeah, it's like $14.99 re- back when we were kids. Yeah, and that, I mean, even still, I think that's still a lot. But that was the early stages of the McFarlane toys. And I, do you remember the, the Spawn-Batman crossover, which was I, I think is fantastic because it just it's so odd. But the end of that issue, that like weird graphic novel, he throws a Batarang at Spawn's face. And the, bo- the last page of that story is this huge splash of Spawn having a batarang down his face, like <laughs> stuck in his face. So he made a variant toy where Spawn's face is like, I think it was called the hamburger variant, where he had stitches down the front of his face. And I like literally would not rest until I found that action figure. I think I paid like $35 <laughs> for it back then. What? Wow. And back then, that's like a $100 figure today. <laughs> You got to know that when we were kids versus today. I remember slicing my hands up trying to get those damn things out of those packaging. It was like. Oh, and each limb, each joint had the, the, the clear twist tie mm-hmm. that you would have to spend hours just untwisting. Oh, I, I, remember, I feel your pain. They were good. I remember. The, the toys were good. Even in the early days, I loved them. Loved them to death. The smell of them. Mm. McFarland Toys was like, they were upper echelon. Let's be honest. They McFarlane came with the toys were legit. Yeah. Came with a free comic. His Eric Draven figure that he did for the Crow is still one of my favorite figures of all time. How come you don't have it on your uh, little? I should. I have it actually in the garage, like in the uh, in the bin, sealed up. Collecting moss in your garage. Yeah, pretty much. But it's it comes with like uh, the Stratocaster that he had in the movie, and like every detail is perfect. Every detail of the Crow is perfect. <laughs> it's really it's really cool. I yeah this this reading this was like a total chore an absolute chore reading yeah. through this and it was only That's four issues. Put in the, uh... Reading through this was such a chore that for my notes to make it more interesting I tried to make comments that were only alliterative comments. <laughs> my list is as follows: This book contained big boobs, bulging biceps, constant cleavage, <laughs> crappy cliche filled comic. Impossible poses, pitiful puns, off-the-mark comedic moments, excessive explanatory dialogue. In short, I wish the cartoon had made an episode of these four issues so I'd only have to waste 20 minutes. Right. Wow. High praise for the cartoon there, though. (laughs) Well, Dale, it was pretty much from a utilitarian standpoint of I had to waste two hours reading this comic or 20 minutes if I could just watch oh, the cartoon. Oh, right, yeah. I hated this book. 
harsh. What, if we had to choose uh, the next image launch series, what would we? What, what should it be, Mark? I think we should give the next image book that we review to Paper Keg West. Let them talk about it. <laughs> wow, love it. I, I want to put that in the uh, the the Google Doc though. Franco Bars the Crow. Well, give it a read. What do we have as far as Im- image left? The Youngblood, Spawn. I think uh, was Cyber Gen Force. Thirteen. Oh, Gen Thirteen, the cliffhanger era. I remember those. Mm. Although, let's say one nice thing about Wildcats. They were good when they crossed over with other characters. Grant Morrison wrote a one-shot, 60-page comic with JLA Wildcats that was good. Comicsology.com, check it out. Chris Claremont wrote a... It was like a series of Wildcats X-Men crossovers told in different eras. Mm. Like the original X-Factor met with Wildcats. That was pretty cool. But the Wildcats in and of themselves by their own book kind of bored me. You know, I agree because in um, Sleeper they use a lot of Wildcats characters, and they're much cooler in Sleeper than they are in this book. Heads up, Hell Spont! It's sudden death overtime. <laughs> that's from that's from Mister Lady Deathstrike. He goes under like two more pages of sports metaphors after that. <laughs> oh yeah, to turn, turn the page, and he's got like eight more lines. Score one for the home team. Now to rip your heart out for the extra point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no, he doesn't even have a backstory that he's into sports. That's his backstory that he reveals in like issue four was that the demonites killed his family. That's it. That's right. Yeah. My favorite scene is when they're at the strip club and they meet Voodoo and Grifter's there chilling. It gets attacked, and Grifter's pun is. Assuming sister, you've got the stomach for it, and the next panel is just Grifter. Blasting a hole through his attacker with two double barrel pistols. What more do you need? Nineties excess people. Go Grifter! It was awesome. Essentially, so two of the hosts, their favorite scenes involved the stripper and a strip club, and her furry boots. It kept me her Uggs before they were cool. <laughs> she was a time traveler. That's right. Voodoo child, and they could refer to her as Voodoo child in oh one uh, blurb, like totally ripping Hendrix there. And then Hendrix they is Voodoo rolling child. over. In his yeah, they're not even consistent with their awful nickname. Yeah, <laughs> what would you rather read, Slim? Wildcats Volume One or Transmit? Oh God! <laughs> okay, all right. That's so the Sophie's Choice <laughs> of vitriolic. awful comic books. Let's <laughs> yeah, be honest; it's not awful. It's uh, Transmit, <laughs> Transmit. I cannot slog through. I just can't do it. I cannot be the only person on the planet that that is repel repulsed. By Transmetropolitan, there's got to be someone. I I don't want to ever reveal my comments about Transmet again, <laughs> so I I want to have friends tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just going to respectfully say, it wasn't for me. No diss on the book. Okay. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. Letters at paperkeg.com. You know, your dream is to send a letter into a podcast and have it read on the air. And we want to fulfill your dreams. First letter up is coming from Paul saying, Hola, paperkeggers. Welcome back to the world of the living and podcasting. I'll keep it short and sweet, fellas. People, mostly us have been recently discussing whether or not DC, a year after the new 52 launch, is in a bit of a slump. With new things coming like the JLA series and the looming Trinity War, 
Do you believe DC has indeed fallen into a slump they'll have to climb out of? Or are they simply lulling before a storm of awesomeness? I'll, I'll feel this one. I'm calling it <laughs> okay. right now. Put it in the wiki. That within two years from this date, we will be back to the old continuity. The new 52 will have been folded into history. Wow. And the old continuity brought back. You heard it here. You heard it here really first, but first. We may not really first. Everyone has predicted that at some stage or another. What? Everyone as in who? Give me names. Everyone who does their own podcast or writes on a website ever has predicted that. Ah, joke's on you. I don't write on a website anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, what what do you think, Mark? Will they revert? I don't think they'll revert yet. I think it'll be outside of two years because as much as I hate to admit it, talking to my friends working at local comic book stores, their books are selling. They're getting more success. Um, they have changed and reflipped their continuity before. Back in the 80s, they did it. They're trying it now, so I don't see them going back, much to my chagrin. Um, as far as some guy, I like the only book I've pretty much constantly reread from DC was is Batman thus far. Uh, I keep buying Green Lantern like a schlub, but I haven't done anything but bagged and boarded them. Um, I don't know anything about this Trinity War. I know Trinity's like a big thing over in DC. There's, uh, what, Matt Wagner's Trinity, and there's Trinity things. From the Matrix. She's coming um, in DCU. But, so that doesn't hold any weight for me, at least. I think they really kind of screwed themselves with this dumb number 52. They have to keep putting out 52 books because that number, they think that number matters to the DC nerds. But really it doesn't. So they put out Amethyst and Grifter and Deathstroke and whatever else that's junk at the bottom of the uh, 50 cent bin. Because they got to keep putting out fifty-two different titles a month, and let's not talk about how many editorial teams they've gone through, or creative teams they've gone through on titles. I got to tell you though, year two, I'm enjoying more of their books. I'm reading Firestorm again and I'm loving it. Um, and that's it. <laughs> I do like, <laughs> I do like the Green Lantern books. I'm giving Superman a shot. And sadly, for the guy who was reading 40 out of the last books they were publishing, I'm coming back for a couple more. I think the I think Marvel now is more successful in terms of wanting to come back to the books than, than DC 52 was. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think, but, uh, but your encouraging words, Mark, like, I can't really hold a grudge or say that it's, uh, I, I wouldn't be paying attention to DC much anyway but since you're a, a lover I think I, I believe when you say that it's, it's not all bad over there but Slim to your to your uh, comments uh, um, I think Marvel now is much more successful as far as building the hype building uh, great stories with creative teams Marvel now makes me want to buy less other comics Creator-owned issues and otherwise. Marvel now in my comic bag with my X plus dollars a month. 300. You know what's a weird, tangible feeling I get after I read a Marvel book? Is I feel full. 
It's like I ate a good meal. I'm not still hungry, and I'm ready to. I'm ready to let it linger for the next month. When I read a DC book, for the most part, it's by the time I get to the end, it's that's it. I'm still hungry. I just dropped twenty dollars on this meal, and I'm still not even full yet. Give me more. And then you gotta go that's, poop it out. Right. right. Are you equating DC Comics to diarrhea right now? <laughs> Most of their books, yeah. 47 he, out of the 52. He's Tyrese from Fast and the Furious, and DC Comics is... Uh, he's hungry. Yeah. I got your reference, bro. I can relate. So, Paul, I hope we answered your question. Next up, we got from at Chris M. Thanks. Hey, Keggers, can we just talk about Avengers number one all night? Seriously, it's not just because I winner winner chicken dinner the free digital issue from at Paper Cape. Yeah, he did podcast like a boss. Feels like Hickman has a clear vision of what the Avengers should be. Amazing balance in his storytelling as well. Everyone on the team had their moment. Banner to Hulk, anyone? You guys be the jam. Hickmania. That's all I really had to say. Hickmania issue was perfectly executed. I thought, uh, my my sense, I thought it was perfectly executed, perfectly written, well-paced about how they uh, they set up this story where there, you know, more is needed. And lo and behold, they had just had a, happened to have this conversation previous. Uh, I, for me, the last page didn't really do it as much because there was just some folks, most, most of the image, most of the characters on there I didn't really care about, but I trust... Hickman and Hickman's plan with his little bauble diagram. His <laughs> his Final Fantasy ten leveling up. His uh, Venn diagrams. Yeah. <laughs> I mean this, the, the, the only plot one? is exactly like giant size X Men number one. I'm just gonna throw that out there. The villain in Avengers World is Krekaw. And uh I mean literally it's the same thing. The X Men got kidnapped, they had to form a new team of X-Men to save the original X-Men. Avengers get kidnapped, yeah. he's got to form a new Avengers team to, ki- to rescue him. So you're saying you hated it? No, I loved it. Yeah. Am I the only one that gets a little turned off by issues that bounce around and don't tell a linear story? Yes. I get le- right. I, I leer I get leery of it because I'm like is this Hickman doing this like his fan- some of his Fantastic Four was tough to follow. Yeah. So I'm like what are you doing to me? This is Avengers, but in the end, I made sense of it all, and I and I enjoyed it. I, I it's got to be so tough for them because it, these double shipping books they have to write out of order. So he's he's writing like at the moment he's probably writing issue four, and also issue seven or eight, so that the other artists can start work on mm. that run of issues. I don't know, I don't understand how he doesn't pull his hair out. Yeah, that's that's silly. I mean, to be able to keep track of that, like, good for editorial, but that's got to make it crazy. It absolutely does. Because you're kind of like stuck in this uh, box. I mean, you have a little wiggle room to play with, but once you like write an, an issue that's four issues ahead of the the next issue you pl- intended on writing, you're kind of you're kind of s- screwed to the wall. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of flipped over and done dry. <laughs> you know, Phil. Wow, you actually hit my point on the head. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic about Hickman on Avengers because. His Fantastic Four run started off great, but by the end, if you didn't take detailed notes on every issue, month to month, you were lost. It was just got a little bit more complicated than I'm used to in a straight-up mm-hmm. superhero book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I think Cap waking up out of bed all bruised and battered, that whole sequence there was, was cool. Slim, we got a couple more left. How much time do I got? Got to roll through them, Mark. 
Mm, Word. We're in the red. We the red light in the in the studio was flickering. Don Garvey, hi Paper Keg. Just wanted to say how happy I am to have you back for my Monday commute. Did you see Wildcats Volume Two? Travis Cherist, Sean Phillips, Joe Casey. Okay, there's some Libdell in there too, but still, I bet that would have been a better read. Don, it would not have been hard to be a better read than what we read. If we review another Wildcats book, I will not be on the episode. I'll tell you what, that Travis Share uh, Lobdell <laughs> relaunch uh, was gorgeous. He was my favorite artist for a long time when that Wildcat series came out. He was untouchable. Really? Absolutely stunning art, but he couldn't maintain a monthly schedule, and he ended up doing that stupid French Meta Barons garbage, so he left forever. But I'm, yeah, that stuff was amazing. His art on that book. We should have done it. Regrets. Regret keg. Regretful keg. Next up is from Anonymous. Finished number 76 and enjoyed every minute of it. Jonesy was in top form, especially his in-depth knowledge of podcast economics. Mm-hmm. Glad you're back. You were missed. Now, when is the next paper keg meetup? Oh, there you go. Paper keg meetup. Second mention. I'm going to be scheduling that one out for... Months on them. We're probably gonna have oh, to buy geez. Slim his train ticket to get back down. Can't we go back him in for the Can day? You just chop her me in to the top of the building. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. We'll give it. Give us some time to get get back on our feet here. You know, we're still working out the ring rust, and Jonesy especially. That's he he's not on the top of his game. I am. I am not. But thank you for the compliments. He's burning the candle and, uh, at both ends. If you know what I'm saying. We got two more. One's from Ramsden saying, "Dearest Paper Keg, glad to have you guys back." I was listening to the Death of Superman episode earlier today and was having many laughs listening to y'all focus your anger of plot holes at Mark. Good times, my friends. <laughs> Deserved. Editorial comment, those were not good times, Ramston. <laughs> Anyhow, no spoilers below. So what do y'all think about Amazing Spider-Man number 698? I have to say, I wasn't expecting the final twist, but I don't think it lived up to all the hype Dan Slott was working up. I mean, how can it not be resolved by 700? Time will tell, I guess. Interesting story, nonetheless. From Ramsden, I think it suffers nothing from. Uh, nothing. Okay, relax. Let me finish my thought. Now Jonesy is uh, going to change I, his I, mind and say that it did not suffer. No, I'm not going to flip flop. <laughs> Why bother letting you finish you your thought? Stop. You're wrong. Okay, never mind. You guys are right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just sit here and you guys just finish off this episode. <laughs> Anyway, the, uh, the reverse uh, the reverse hype machine always takes it away at some point during the day. Even it was starting to get to me by 4 o'clock in the afternoon when my Twitter feed was all like, OMG, you're not going to believe it. There's a twist at the end. I just want to throw my phone across the off, uh, office. Mm-hmm. But uh, once I got over the negative hype and actually read the issue... Yeah, I think it lives up to it every inch. Who was that person Did on you... Twitter that, that said that, Jensen? Call them out, finally, and, and make <laughs> them look foolish. I can't, I won't do it. It's it's over and done with. Who are you protecting, Did you read Jonesy? the spoiler-free, Jonesy, the <laughs> Who first you time? you protecting? Uh, anyone else want to comment? Loved it. Did I, you read it spoiler-free? Did I read it? I, I almost had it spoiled. I chose to ignore the best internet exodus. Of spoilers, and I read it spoiler free. I thought the uh, I thought the twist ending was spectacular. It was a punch in the gut, and it was uh, everything I could have, uh, everything I could have hoped, but never expected or thought of. And now that six ninety nine's out, I, I mean Ramos is back. Like, 
man, I was just like with Ramos back. Mm. I was just like Humberto, love, and I was, I was, uh, hurry, boy, it's waiting there for you. That's what I. That's what I was singing when I saw Ramos draw a jacked up Spider Man puking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing this out there. Was I the only one slightly disappointed by six ninety nine? I was. Uh, I I'm, I wasn't disappointed by it, but I have to say that I for like being the issue next to the last issue quotes. Uh, I expected another twist per se, but there wasn't any twist in this one. It was just, but it was appreciated. Like the Peter Parker inner monologue, that was like really great. Um, I I don't know. Maybe there was hype surrounding it based on a bunch of Dan Slott retweets. That I think just that uh, that one screenshot where he has the memory of that plot when Aunt May almost married Dr. <laughs> Octopus. Yeah. And she's like, come on, Otto. Nobody has to know we're going to do this before the <laughs> wedding night. And he was like, that did not happen. That did not happen. Seven, but it's great. The whole plot, 700, 700 minutes to live. I mean, that's that's really cool. And oh, Peace Pop Pete. Peace Pop Pete. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Dan Slott, let's just be together as one. <laughs> it makes me want to go back through several back issues and see just how many little breadcrumbs he left that would lead us up to this moment. So, 699 gave me some homework to do. Mm-hmm. And 700, we could do a book club on Amazing Spider Man 700. It's a big book. It's a, big, it's a huge it's a gir- book. It's girthy. Second of dollars until I'm buying <laughs> Spider-Man 700. And I saved the longest for last. We've got a letter from Andrew. Okay. Saying, gentlemen, I decided to take a step back from all the constant snark, sarcasm, and cynicism of Twitter and send you guys a quick note of appreciation. Paper Keg Podcast and the release of CMX HD in the Comixology app are what got me back into comics hardcore earlier this year. And I couldn't begin to tell you how much it's positively impacted my life. The community around Paper Keg, the wonderful folks that interact with y'all and each other about comics on Twitter is truly wonderful. Comics are a huge part of my life now. The job at Comixology that I have the privilege of having, largely made possible by a mutual acquaintance who will remain nameless. (laughs) The joy of getting my wife into comics and reading stuff together with her and the daily chatter on Twitter. None of this would have been possible without the keg. This letter is straight up pure genuineness. Don't even think about accusing me of trolling, Jonesy. I really love you guys and all the work you've done to make Paper Keg a reality. You should see the hand motions he's doing as I read this. I am so glad the extended hiatus is over. Keep up the phenomenal work. And here's to at least another 78 episodes from Andrew. I am also glad the hiatus is over. Andrew uh, thanks that... uh to hear that we have some, maybe somehow influenced your reading and or helped get, get you back into comics. And, uh, you know, that's just probably the ultimate compliment. Yes. Well, I, letters, I think so. The letter center ran out during that segment. That's how long it was. That's how over we are. That's I mean, people are excited we're back, and they're just f- feverishly writing in. I think we had better dialogue about our letters than we did our book club book this month. It's because we week. all hated the book club. Once again, my suggestion goes down in the uh, awful books Hall of Fame. You know what? Book started started that trend was authority. You know what? I wish to God I could take that back every day of my life. So I'm Jenny Spock's love, Ugh. <laughs> barf. Well, you know what? Next week you can rip apart my book. 
What's your book? Shh, James shh, Robinson. Shh, oh, we haven't announced it. Shh, we haven't announced it, Mark. God, save for the show. James Robinson has written a lot of books, okay? Uh, James Robinson. Spoilers. What a show. Good show. Be sure. Can I say good show, too, or is that a spoiler? <laughs> if you're free, you know, like Mark, and you're on the crapper reading Facebook messages, be sure to leave us an iTunes review to spread the word uh, about the show. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, please. I mean, iTunes reviews give us a little boost in the uh, old numbers. And there's a lot of garbage creeping up. Yeah. Last thing we want is garbage. We'll see everybody next week. Peace them out. Slim, you had a rebuttal? Yeah, it was for uh, Mark's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Was it Raph? Was it Raph that had the uh, problem? No, it wasn't. Damn. Sorry. Come on, Raph would be all on board with taking an enemy out with extreme prejudice. What's the story Donatello. with um, that? Was was that other turtle, what's the turtle's name? The big one? Slash. Was, was Slash in the cartoon? He was. I can't remember. He had an eye patch in the cartoon, I think. Yeah. What's his story? Was he one of their brothers, or what's the story? In the comic? Yeah. He was uh, retarded, I think. He was a (laughs) another experiment that they worked on that just didn't go as well. I don't remember if they tried mutating him after the turtles escaped. Terrible. But his development was slower. He was didn't develop mentally. Bigger, stronger, faster, dumber. Was he in the movie? Was there a Slash-esque character in the second movie? Dude, yeah, were you a Toka child of the Razor, 80s? Think, it was Token and Razor. He's right. Yeah. He, everybody should know this. Thanks for your last show ever, Mark. I really appreciate it. I remember you. Vanilla Ice did an awesome off-the-cuff ninja rap while they were fighting in the crowd. It's technically all freestyle, too. Yeah. That was all I had. That Slim, are you reading the Turtles? No. I, I heard a lot of people I know read it, though, if I can be frank. Maybe I'm subtle, or maybe I'm just a sucker for 80s properties, but Turtles is good, Voltron is good, He-Man is good. That Voltron, which one? St- I, I don't know why I sighed there. Finish your drink out of spite. Uh, which, one, which Voltron title starts in modern day? Both of them. The current one that's on the one-day sale right now in Comixology. And then Not when you hear Voltron... This. Voltron Year One is also ties into that series. Is that any good? Yeah. Read it in one check sitting. It out. Did you check read it that? Out. Did you take part in that D and D sale that I was trying to troll you into buying? I did. I I liked it. What about you, Dale? I liked yeah, the I, S out of I it. Did. I actually just got finished buying the third volume hardcover like two oh weeks my. before. Oh my! <sighs> Peer pressure. Deep. That's all it takes to just crumble you. I know, for Pat Loika to acknowledge me, like, tweet back with me on a tweet, I was like, I have to do it now. Made I your can't day. Let him, I can't let the man down. No, you ha- you cannot do that. 
Yeah. I tried to coin a new phrase, uh, loikostrat... Oh, I can't even say it. Loikostrophic... Yeah, it was like a combination of loika and catastrophic spending. <laughs> it, it looked better on Twitter than it is be trying to fumble <laughs> it out of my mouth. Dale, between you talking to loika and other creators, you're like the paper keg liaison to celebrities on Twitter. Loy catastrophic. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I blink and you're going back and forth with Kurt Busick. A while back, you had an exchange with my favorite writer, Mark Wade, when he offered to uh, hook you up with the Daredevil because yours came in poorly, poor condition. I'm always thinking about this show, and all I really wanted was some sweet, sweet retweets by Kurt Busiek. And he's just, I mean, he's talking to me and acknowledging me. Oh, yeah, I'm glad you guys read it. Then he listened. Just give me the retweet. Kurt Music retweet Would you rather him blindly retweet and not listen or listen and not retweet? Blindly retweet and not listen. <laughs> you know, Dale, I always appreciate your dedication to the show. I'm not even sure Mark that knows the show exists until he shows up my house at 9 o'clock at night. Does this actually get... Do people listen to this? Does it get posted on the internet? Uh, Mark. Dang it. I should have given Dale the first issue of Peter David's X Factor for Pollyanna, but I did not. I don't we don't remember this you. is a surprise, Mark. It's a surprise. So did I tell him what reveal, I gave him? Did I tell him what I gave him? Do not reveal what you're gifting each other. Why are you nagging me? <laughs> Get out of my house. Do you want a hug? No. Anyway, Dale, if you started an issue one of Peter da- David's series, mm-hmm. I promise you you wouldn't be able to put it down. It's solid. Yeah, I I loved it. I really think that like X Factor, other than, you know, the the on the fringe X book characters, like the fact that it's ep- issue two hundred and forty seven, probably plays into the me not trying it before. But I really liked it. It was a one shot, and it's they're like mutant detectives, mutant private detectives. It's a. If you would have told me a year ago that my favorite, one of my favorite Marvel characters is going to be Jamie Madrix, the Multiple Man, I would have laughed at you, but. Within the first few pages of Peter David's series, it was good. He got me. That's my man. Does Peter David write the story where a multiple man's one of his clones has a baby with somebody, but as soon as he holds it, yes, the baby gets absorbed because it's technically a clone of a clone? Yep. Creepy. Uh, I have something important for everyone. You have is, is this an inherited uh, panel? It's It's big inherited news. Are we ready? 